Good afternoon. Welcome to the panel. Power of the Friday. Nice to be here. Julia Hartley Moore and Chris Wikaida with me today. Now, by the way, people are uh, texting and saying, uh, have a great break, uh, Wallace and panel. Uh, we actually are here next week as well, Monday through Friday, or actually Monday through Thursday. Anyway, have I woken up and it's 1980 and cricket is free to air? Seems just the way. Spark is to drop sports streaming and TVNZ gets the cricket. Becoming the exclusive domestic broadcaster for the all Black Caps, White Ferns and Super Smash matches for three years from the start of the 2023-24 home summer until the end of the 2025-26 season. It appears to be an international trend for telcos around the world to offload sport. With us, Brian Waddle, veteran sports broadcaster, sometimes called the voice of New Zealand cricket. Brian, wonderful to have you on the panel. Nice to be with you too, Wallace. Thank you very much. So cricket goes free to air. Does it seem like back to the future, Brian? Well, it does to a certain extent, uh, but I suppose if there's going to be a merger of the public broadcasters, that's back to the future as well, um, <laughs> having seen that previously. But in terms of cricket, it, it's come out of the blue uh, rather more rapidly than one would imagine. Uh, Spark had the contract for six years. I think they've done about three. And the interesting thing is, is it's something that uh, I'll believe when I see it, because really? going free to air on um, TVNZ, it's going to be a costly business when Spark are talking about writing off $52 million from their operating profit this year. Wow. Yeah, because I was going to ask, who's going to pay for it? That's the question uh, that I think everybody wants to know. Someone is going to have to pay uh, if Spark, with their budgets, aren't able to make it pay. How is television going to do it without charging? Yes, there'll be uh, plenty of advertising revenue. The rights, I think, have been taken up previously by Spark anyway, and so they roll on for New Zealand cricket. I mean, it's a win-win for cricket fans who won't have to pay, supposedly, for any cricket coverage. But, you know, 100 games a year, that's a costly business for yeah. the, um, the, the, the broadcasters. Yeah, what have we got? 300 international and domestic cricket matches screened live on a combination of uh, TVNZ1 and Duke over three years. So uh, when I ask who's the winner, Brian, is cricket the winner? Well, in terms of uh, reclaiming many of the fans that to drop mm. off, yes, they are to some extent. Uh, and the fans are the winners because uh, they will not have the issues that they faced. And, and many have gone away from cricket because of the streaming aspect and the fact that uh, people didn't want to pay for an extra fee as well on top of what they paid for Sky. And uh, that created a lot of animosity amongst cricket fans. And I think people drifted away. And this is one way of clawing it back. Uh, whether it's going to be too late, who knows? but at least the cricket fam will get uh, the value out of it. Well, I don't know about you, Julia Hartley, more whether or not you were uh, a fan of streaming cricket on Spark or not. Um, let's say not. Um, 
I'm not a cricket fan, to be fair, and I just my, I had, look so many people that I know, and my girlfriend is just obsessed with it. Uh, my dad used to sit and watch it, like, yes. but not for you know. I'm not a you know I'm not particularly sporty in that regard. To be so fair. you've got all those memories, eh? Dad sitting down and watching the cricket oh, all day. Oh yes, <laughs> Abs- absolutely. And my father-in-law and my girlfriend, who's just obsessed. I mean, she goes to every game, and yeah. and I she wants me to go, and I think. I, what for? What you about know, you? But... What about you, Chris? What questions do you have around this issue? Well, I'm am delighted that this is um, that this has happened, and it's nice to nice to see some top level sport back on free to air television. It's been, you know, we've seen the audiences and what we saw with the Women's Rugby World Cup recently, and yeah. and the the boost that that gave to to both broadcasting and to the sport. Uh, <laughs> Being out of the blue is, you know, I agree with Wads on that. When you when you look at, you know, they've just spent a lot of money upgrading the the platform and improving it after a bit of a shaky start. It was a little bit sort of baked bean tin and string when they first started, um, and the upgrade they've just done has been really good. It's been a much better viewing experience, and okay. now they're just going to walk away from it. You go comes back to again what Brian said. So, what are the numbers involved, and 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 how bad is the bleeding and Therefore, who pays for it? Yeah, Brian. Also, Brian, do you think there's a wider issue here that it is important to have some of our key games and codes and big sporting moments in the free-to-air domain so that there's this equity issue in sport? Yeah, I think it's uh, fair enough. Uh, Across the world, that happens. I mean, the United Kingdom, there are sports events that are all shown free-to-air and they are the prestige events. I think it happens in Australia to many of them. And uh, people in New Zealand have have walked away from some sport because uh, it's not been free-to-air. So I don't know whether it should be uh, a matter of passing legislation Uh, It's just nice to think that some will go free-to-air. I mean, while it was on Spark, there were some matches being played free-to-air anyway. They were able to pick and choose what they would put on free-to-air, and uh, that may well be the case. I I just have uh, a concern myself that, uh, you know, there's not much um, available in terms of the press conference they had as to exactly who is going to pay and how it's going to be received, but hey, it's great for us cricket lovers. Okay, yeah, so, yeah it was the key question, Chris. What well, you haven't Chris. picked up at all whether um, Spark Sport losing the Formula One rights back to Sky TV may have hastened this announcement because it seemed to be a very um, hasty announcement. Brian? Yeah, well, uh, it, it, it is uh, pretty rapid, and I think that was admitted by David White that uh, it, it's come a little bit out of the blue. So quite clearly, uh, Spark have been contemplating this for a period of time. And it's not only the Formula One, of course, and that's a, a high earner in terms of television revenue, but uh, Sky got back the coverage of English football away from Spark, and they counted that as one of their big items. And uh, quite clearly... They're not able to make it pay, or the interest factor in the business world through Spark is not quite the same. Uh, and uh, quite clearly, they've been looking to unload a fair bit. Uh, what impact that will finally have on uh, cricket management? Because a lot of the payers, uh, players being paid come from that particular stream of revenue. The salaries come from 
earnings that New Zealand cricket is able to make, and I think there's sort of uh, a percentage of that 29% goes to the players as part of their contract. So, you know, those sorts of things are, are going to be interesting to, to follow through because uh, I, I'm not sure that um, it's going to produce the same sort of revenue for uh, cricket in the oh. long run. Oh, so, yeah, the key question there. Uh, talking to Brian Waddle, a veteran sports broadcaster, but the other issue is the telcos. I mean, you've got uh, Telstra last year stopping streaming of AFL and NRL. You've got British Telecom. Um, you know, they, they, they've ditched uh, their big uh, BT Sport there, uh, becoming a wholly owned subsidiary of Eurosport. But the other thing that's happening, Brian, is that sports bodies themselves are experimenting with direct to consumer streaming. For example, the Premier League League England is talking about a Premflix service, and I'm wondering whether that might be the next iteration of watching in the future, that uh, Cricket New Zealand does its own thing. Well, that's a possibility. When you look at it now, they basically provide the media coverage. Uh, there are very few media outlets in New Zealand that go to uh, games, that send reporters to games, mm-hmm. and they have to rely on New Zealand cricket, particularly in the written and audio media, for even some of the uh, televised media. They have to rely on New Zealand cricket, and they've got quite an army of uh, people doing their uh, social media and their media in involvement. And, of course, overseas, many of the major soccer teams, particularly in, oh, I should say football, I get told off the to soccer. <laughs> uh, the football teams have their own television channels anyway, yeah. and a lot of it comes from them, not only in the UK, but right throughout Europe. So, you know, it's, it's the sporting bodies themselves uh, selling their own pictures or their own coverage, but then that comes just a little bit slanted, doesn't it, because uh, it's all the hype that goes with the, the coverage of sport. You know, we were told when Spark comes, it was going to be new, it was going to be innovative, it was going to be fresh, it was going to be exciting. Well, we didn't see anything new. I mean, we got the same old cricket coverage, same old commentators, same old pictures, same stuff that goes around the world. And, you know, all of a sudden, it's gone crumbled, hasn't it? Uh, great, to, great to have you on the show, Brian. Thanks for being with us. Kia ora. That's Brian Waddle there, sometimes called the voice of New Zealand cricket. The panel with Chris Wickider and Julia Hartley-Moore today, 18 past four. Now, by the way, I think uh, someone's saying that there is quite a bit of car- uh, bad traffic through Cambridge, uh, the Cambridge Expressway heading south. Warn your listeners, very bad traffic. Uh, to this, as you know, New Zealand's latest unemployment rate is 3.3% in the September 2022 Quarter, according to StatsNZ, and has remained consistently low all year. And that means employers are turning to new incentives and added benefits to attract candidates. Seek's end-of-year review found a very high level of job advertisements. Well, just how high with us is Seek NZ's country manager, Rob Clark. Kia ora, Rob. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you? Very well. The number of job placements, so how high compared to other years? What can you tell us? So if you look at November, um, we typically see a, a fall in November relative to October as we lead into the Christmas break, and we've seen that again this year. But I think in terms of context, if you look at November 2019, you know we're still 30% ahead. So there's still good numbers of jobs out there. We've sort of come off our peak midway through this year. 
but it's still a good time for job seekers to be looking. Have you seen this tight a labour market? Sorry, could you repeat that for me, Rob? Have you seen a labour market in recent years that has been this tight? Oh, no, no. I mean, you know, in 2019, we celebrated 25,000 jobs on Seek, and in May this year, we hit 38,000. So that just gives you a sense of just the, the incredible increase we saw in, you know, really a relatively short period of time post the pandemic. I'll go to our panellists shortly, Rob, but what are some of the incentives then you see being offered? Yeah, it's a really good question and it's been fascinating. Clearly in a market that's this tight, employers do have to offer up new and innovative incentives to try and attract talent to them um, as opposed to you know other organisations. The one particular, I guess, incentive that we saw really come to the fore was the sign-on bonus. And of course, that's, that's good on a number of fronts. Um, for the employer, it's a one-off payment. So it means that they don't have to carry that cost, you know, from year two onwards. And obviously, from a candidate's point of view, it's a nice lump sum up front. But it also means that they have pay parity relative to their peers, um, you know, as as time goes on, which means that they're not necessarily standing out should times get a little bit tougher. Julia, what have you got to say in all this? Well, I think that's that's re- that's really good. I mean, that's going to th- th- there's going to be zero then. Aren't we? We're going to get down to zero unemployment if we get if because if, people are going to go for that. I mean, the only other thing is, like in my industry, I'm having to bat people away. It's having people. I think there's a lot of people that want to work. A lot of people want something exciting. They want to get paid well and have something interesting. Um, but I think the fact that you get a bonus and that is just like like you were saying, a one-off payment to the employer. Um, that's going to actually have a benefit. That is going to, I think something like that will actually work. All right. Stay there, Rob. Chris? Yeah, I'm interested that, uh, and I've talked to a mate of mine who's a manager in Hospo last night, and he said there, you know, he's hearing around Wellington kitchens are having to pay more than they would for those second-tier chefs and, and those down-below-head chefs to, to to get enough staff to keep kitchens going. Um, and that's that's putting pressure on and, and still finding front-of-house staff is incredibly difficult in Hospo or then keeping them there because they're getting COVID again. And we've seen that again, like with the Wellington bus drivers and that. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering how long this... Um, this is going to last when then the Reserve Bank's talking about next year we need to lose jobs. Does this little recession we're going to get, does that correct things and then, you know, make these incentives less applicable? Yeah, look, you you raised some really good points there, Chris, and and I I really uh, feel for the hospitality industry because it's still a real struggle for them to find the talent that they need. And, you know, when you're having to pay, you know, waiters and waitresses $500 sign-on bonus in that industry, that's, that's tough going. Uh, and only yesterday, you know, I happened to be in a restaurant and they were talking about, you know, empl- um, employing people and then two days later they're gone. So all of that training's really? gone, gone to waste. Yeah. So that's, that's still a tough game. So the good news is that overall, with jobs numbers softening a little bit, you know, what we're seeing is the number of applications per job, i.e. the number of candidates that employers have to choose from, is starting to grow. And that's a good thing. That creates more competition and therefore the likelihood of having, having to pay sign-on bonuses, you know, is, is less so as the number of candidates available starts to grow. 
One uh, incentive, Rob, that really seems to anecdotally from a perspective that I've been hearing about that is really catching on is the I mean, clearly you can't do that in cafes, eateries, such like, but the working from home option seems to be quite popular. It sure does. We've seen an, a 1,000% increase in referencing working from home and job ads over the last couple Good of years. Grief. It's, it's uh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's almost a table stake, particularly in the professional services industry. Really? And yeah. So, so it's a, it's a, it's not a nice to have. It's a uh, I want a work from home option. Absolutely, and obviously that comes in many guises, but yeah, fun- fundamentally that's a table stake now. Interesting, isn't it, Julia? How um, trends change. You, you know, you wouldn't have seen that in uh, uh, 2018. Can I please work no. from home two days a week? Uh, that's exactly. a big no. But you know, Wallace, it's interesting because because my husband, um, you know, he works for TVNZ, and yeah. he's he's been working from home. Um, he's far more productive because he would be really? sitting in traffic. Well, totally. Because I think of the, um, you know, we're out here. He's got to get into into the city. He he starts work earlier and he finishes later. Whereas he was what wasn't even arriving into work till about nine, and then he was having to leave to get the ferry out at five. So. He, and he's far more productive uh, working from home. Interesting. Hey, Rob, I know thanks. <laughs> hey, Rob thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Uh, that is uh, Seek NZ's country manager, Rob Clark there. It's 24 past four. Someone says, not sure what Brian Waddle is talking about. Spark has done new things for cricket coverage by using new tools such as a buggy camera and more advanced drones. New graphic tools, and they have used many new commentators in their coverage. By the way, uh, Donna is stuck uh, in a 45-minute queue. Apparently there's a long traffic jam, State Highway 1 southbound Cambridge Bypass south of Cambridge Waikato. A long delay, so avoid State Highway 1. Go via Leamington and Southside, Lake Karapiro. So if you're going uh, in toward that area, State Highway 1 southbound, be careful of the long uh, delays. And I'm going to read out, uh, actually, I'm going to call it the um, correspondence of the day, because there's been a, been a bit of response around the age gap. Uh, Joanna in Fakatu Nelson says, Tanakwe Wallace, my partner was 14 years older than me. I introduced him to Joe Cocker, Elton John, and Carol King. And he fostered more appreciation in me for classical music. We went to all the classical music concerts every year at the Nelson School of Music and I cared for him 24-7 in the last three years of his life and I'm so grateful that he died at home and we were not separated in his final years. Isn't that just such a gorgeous email, Julia? That's beautiful. And it speaks to what Chris is talking about, that yes, of course, you can cross cultural boundaries, of course you can. Yeah. You can learn, you can learn from each other. Yeah. I think yep. that rests the case, Your Honour. Yeah, <laughs> 26, oh, past, so. 26 so. past for the panel, RNZ National. Can I just, can I just sort of um, uh, put this to you both? Uh, because this caused a heck of a discussion in the office. Did you know that radiologists, teachers, etc., they have to pay for their own party? We got an email. My flatmate is a radiologist at an Auckland hospital, $40 a head. Another teacher at a college in West Auckland, $45 a head. Some say, of course they should pay. Taxpayer-funded entity, that money should go 
on the patients or the kids. Others, if your boss can't fork out a small party to honour hard-working staff, then don't even bother with having any parties. So what do you think? Should staff get a free Christmas or should you have to pay? And while I'm here, yes, Auckland RNZ did have a small Christmas party laid on a few pizzas, drink on arrival, cash farm. I didn't go personally, but that's what RNZ did. Around the panel on this, Chris, where do you stand on I, this? I think it's, it's, it's horses for courses again. It's, um, but I, I think it's perfectly fine for uh, uh, an SOE, a uh, department, a ministry, or any part, organize, crown entity that gets some, some taxpayers' funding to do something that's not too flashy. Obviously, not, you're not putting everyone on a jet and flying them to Fiji. Um, you know, some food or, or, or towards venue. I remember what we used to do back in my day here at Radio New Zealand. A venue would be paid for. We'd look after the food ourselves, and um, you paid for, you brought or paid for your own booze. Um, certainly, so pretty you shouldn't key. be shouldn't be paying for alcohol. You know, you look after that yourself. But absolutely, I mean, you talk about health professionals are some of the hardest working and some of the try, most trying and difficult circumstances of any employees in New Zealand. Um, to say that just because they're funded by the taxpayer they shouldn't get a little something at Christmas, that's pretty bloody mean. Well, a bit of response before we go, Julia. Uh, well, I love your show. I listen to it on all my community visits, says Rob, the therapist. I work in a local DHB and we pay for our own Christmas parties, meals and fun activities like bowl, bowling or axe throwing. We tailor it to what we personally find fun and to the budget people want to spend. Not everyone celebrates Christmas, so why spend taxpayers' money on something corporate and possibly leaving people out? Julia? Well, fair enough. I mean, I, I, I pay for... I don't... My investigators don't have to pay for a Christmas party. I mean, I pay for that. I know that... that, that separate programs, individual programs at TVNZ have to pay for their own Christmas party. Oh, look, I think it's a really common practice nowadays, really. To do what? To pay, to pay have f- to pay, you know, that, that you have to pay for your Christmas party. I mean, back in the day, Wallace, we all used to go out for, on, on Christmas party at Radio New Zealand. We used to go down by the viaduct and have did a you? big party. Really? Yeah, we did. It was absolutely frigging fantastic. And all the alcohol was there and the food was great and it was it was fun. Whatever happened to those days, well, Wallace? Well, I don't know. Certainly before my time, uh, Julia Hartley Moore. But I'm just thinking, Julia. Well, they won't happen again now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris Wickider, good to have you on. Uh, <laughs> Gary says the employer must show appreciation to their employees. Uh, as a nurse... Many, many years in public hospital always paid for our own Christmas party. I just don't know about the uh, Chris and Joy. I just, f- knowing what I've seen in the DHB and how hard they work, can't yeah, they... you just, can't, can't, can't we allow uh, our taxpayer for the entity some money so they can shout the hardworking staff a little bit of a knees up, not too flash, as Chris said, but just something for goodness' acknowledgement. sake. Acknowledgement, and I think it becomes yeah. more an acknowledgement at the end of the calendar year of the work of that year, more than the Christian celebration. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you, Chris, and it would be appreciated so much. Yeah, star, star parties should be free. It's a bit of money spent by the boss on his or her staff before they go away to their batch in the Coromandel and leave the staff on call. All right, the panel. (laughs) 
The panel are in the National Julia Harley Moore, Chris Wikaida with me.